one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. have had the middle of something you're trying to do and the technology on your computer crashes or does something silly all on its own. Oh, a few of you. That's what happened this morning. We can't get the screen going, so I rushed back to make music. I'm so, get your music printed. I'm sorry it caused us to be late. But we are here to magnify and praise and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And he will not stop us. That, the, the, he who wants to stop it will not stop or curtail our worship of the Lord. So here we are on this beautiful Sunday morning, wondering when fall is going to arrive and the temperatures will drop a little. They have in the morning, not in the afternoon yet, but we can continue to ask the Lord for that mercy. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you for this glorious day. We thank you that... <laughs> Even when we have little blips before us that come by computer, by the hand of the enemy, or any other thing, that nothing stops the time that we fellowship and love and praise you together as a body. I ask your presence here today by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the ever-living God that you, Lord, would uh, take our hand through this service, that you would instruct us through pastor, that you'd bless and, and uh, fortify Pastor Ray for his word that's going to be coming today, and that you would bless the singers that lead us so much into your uh, throne of worship. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. An upside-down world. Are we there? An upside-down world. God is not ashamed to be called their God, Hebrews 11:16. We live in an upside-down world. People hate when they should love, quarrel when they should be friendly, fight when they should be peaceful, wound when they should heal, 
share when they have, uh, oh, excuse me, they steal instead of sharing, do wrong when they should do right. There was once a toy clown that had a, a magnet on it or a weight on its head, so no matter what position you put it on, it would upright itself. Um, it could be placed on its feet, on its side, and let go and it would be flipped back into its position. The clown illustrates why the disciples seem to be misfits to the world. To an upside down person, the right side up person <laughs> would seem abnormal. To the non-believer, the true Christian is an oddity and an abnormality. Yet it isn't the whole picture. All around us are people who sense that something is wrong with their topsy-turvy lives. They yearn to be right side up. Will you pray for them and ask God to point them to life's only solid foundation, Jesus Christ? And the hope for today, we could never make an, a person upright any more than we can upright ourselves. Only God can cause a person to see that he or she is indeed upside down but we can point him or her in the right direction. You do not know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge. You like to stand? generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Majesty, worship His Majesty. 
voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Testament reading this morning is Psalm 15. It begins with a question and ends with the answer. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend.
in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Amen. Would you stand with me for the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Testament reading this morning comes from from Matthew 22 verses 1 through 14. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went on their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, 
bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And if you'll, since everybody has a bulletin, and this is in the bulletin, will you join me in the response of reading? We bless you, God of seed and harvest, and we bless each other that the beauty of this world and the love that created it might be expressed through our lives and be a blessing to others now and always. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have invited us and let us remember that those you, when you do invite us, you expect us to come. We are not, it is not optional. Your invitation is an instruction to come. And Lord, you, you give us other instructions. You give us instructions to give to share, to share what we have, to share what we know about you. Lord, so we ask that the gifts and the blessings that are, that are given today and brought today and used today during this service will be pleasing in your eye and will be uh, guided by your hand. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I had an excellent video for you this morning, but uh, I'll try to recite it uh, from memory. Victor Davis Hanson is a uh, brilliant classicist and historian. He has uh, something on YouTube we all need to watch. It's called The Decline of Citizenship. He makes a very valid point that this generation really knows nothing of citizenship. They know nothing of our history because they've been taught that our history is flawed, critical race theory and so on. And as a result, they have no clue who Harriet Tubman is. They don't know who Andrew Jackson was, William Tecumseh Sherman. They have no idea. The saddest thing about that is when you, uh, when you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat its mistakes. Wokeism has replaced citizenship. And the long and short of wokeism is tribalism. Our politics are very, very tribal. Our ship of state has foundered. Our conscience as a nation is diseased. We no longer comprehend who we are as a people, as a nation. And worse yet, no one can agree on a way forward. And why? Because we've turned our back on God. We've forgotten where we came from and how we became great and who made us great. Why? Because this nation has chosen to listen to a plethora of liars trying to rewrite our history and deny our heritage. What God spoke to Jeremiah very much applies to us. What the Lord God prophesied to Israel applies to us. Jeremiah 5 21. Listen, you foolish and senseless people, with eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear, have you no respect for me? Why don't you tremble in my presence? Tribal politics are driving this country into chaos. And if you think wokeism is anything other than tribalism, you're sadly misinformed. The worst facet of wokeism is the damning effects of cancel culture. If you don't agree with me, you're an idiot. 
I hate you, and what's more, you're a racist. How often have we heard that? Wokeism has become so prolific in our culture, it has even invaded and divided the church. This is tribalism. Cancel culture has accomplished everything Satan intended. Division. You don't need a master's degree in sociology to understand that tribalism has plagued the human race ever since its beginning. Tribalism got its start when Cain slew Abel. What's happened in Israel over the past week is satanic tribalism. Matthew 24, 9, Jesus said, And you shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake. But in Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking to the Jews. There was not one Gentile present. He was speaking to the Jews. And the world hated Jews long before we Christians arrived on the scene. But because we believe in a Jewish Messiah, because we believe in the book, we are part of that persecution. But the Jews have endured persecution for several millennia. No nation or people group on earth has been hated for thousands of years. This morning, I want us all to ponder what we've been watching on the evening news this week. I want us to gain a solid perspective. And I want us to ponder it in the light of Bible prophecy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is uh, not only a roadmap, it is... Uh, blessed direction for the way forward. Your word helps us comprehend where we are, why we are. You've told us everything we need to know if we'll just bury our noses in your book. Encourage us this morning, enlighten us this morning, empower us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon is titled, Old Jerusalem. Our text, uh, since we won't have any slides, if you have your Bible, you might want to put a finger in Psalm 83, another finger in Zechariah chapter 12, and one in Isaiah. In 1967, I had a friend who was Jewish. I got to know her and her family very well. We attended different high schools, but we still stayed in touch. And when the Six-Day War broke out, she told me that she had snuck into her classroom at school and written in bold letters, Oh, Jerusalem. I didn't understand hardly anything about the Six-Day War at the time, but it prompted me to begin a comprehensive study of Bible prophecy. And bless God, that has continued to this day. My sermon this morning, you could entitle The State of the World. You need only watch the evening news to understand that the state of the world is apocalyptic. But how much do we really know about what happened in Israel this past week? Why was Israel caught so off guard? 126 soldiers that were posted on the border's fence were killed in a covert three-pronged attack. Half were killed in their barracks as they were sleeping. The communication center that was supposed to alarm the residential neighborhoods was neutralized. This allowed the terrorists to slaughter the unprotected Israelis in all the border towns. The last count I heard was over 1,200. I'm sure it's closer to 13. And yes, what you heard was true. Entire families were beheaded, including infants. Forty infants were found either beheaded or burned to death. 
Parents were forced to watch, to witness the horror of their children being tortured and then beheaded, and then were given the same death. That's satanic. How do we know this? The IDF has installed security cameras in each home in all of the border communities. And additionally, Hamas was so proud of their accomplishments that they streamed videos of their atrocities on TikTok and virtually every media. This including the slaughter of 260 Israeli youth at an open-air concert. You saw video of the paragliders. Those paragliders were all aimed at this concert. There were 8,000 people at this concert. It is a miracle that only 260 were killed. Hamas waited in an ambush for people fleeing the concert to pile into their cars. There was essentially only one way out. And they slaughtered 150 people in their cars. Israeli intelligence now knows that Russia trained Hamas. The Wagner Group trained Hamas for this skilled attack. The same group responsible for the grisly attacks on civilians in Ukraine. The mass graves of thousands of civilians in Ukraine are testament to the Russian mindset regarding war. The IDF has discovered that sophisticated bombing drones were used in this attack. Elite tech communications, next level intelligence that only the Russians have. The same tech Russia is using in Ukraine. Hamas carried out a stealth attack on Israeli border patrols with the precision of world-class special forces. Therefore, no warning was sent to the outlying communities. The only resistance Hamas met in the Israeli communities were local police. They were outgunned and outmanned 10 to 1. 2,000 terrorists. And Putin has said if America supports, excuse me, <clears throat> Israel in this conflict, Russia, Russia will support Palestinians. Putin is doubling down, and why? Because Russia is firmly entrenched in the Middle East, and their end game is Israel. Putin is essentially telling Biden, <clears throat> excuse me, you've cost us dearly in Ukraine, now I'm challenging the U.S. to a direct confrontation. And since America assisted Ukraine in devastating much of Russia's navy, Russia will be looking for a payback, be certain. They'll do everything in their power to sink the Gerald R. Ford carrier. Why? Because we sank their flagship. Secretary of the State Blinken has told Israel, you take care of Gaza. If Hezbollah initiates anything in the north, we'll take care of Hezbollah. Did you know Anthony Blinken is Jewish? U.S. troops are on the ground in Israel, special forces. We are attacking air, land, and sea. America is very involved. But is all this a dress rehearsal for Ezekiel 38? I think it is a dress rehearsal. But I believe also the escalation of this war will pave the way for Antichrist. This is a perfect time for him to step on the scene and say, I've got all the answers. Ezekiel 38, verse 3 from the Living Bible. The Lord God says, I am against you, God. I will put hooks into your jaws and pull you to your doom. The stage is set for Ezekiel 38. 
This prophecy is 2,600 years old. There has not been one millionth of a chance for this prophecy to be fulfilled until 1967. I personally believe it will be fulfilled in the next five years. That's how fast things are moving. I don't know of any credible end times Bible scholar who does not believe that Gog is present-day Russia. But let's talk about the root problem. Let's talk about Satan's infinite hatred for the Jewish people. And let's go deeper yet. Let's talk about why Jerusalem even exists in the first place. Jerusalem is the most mentioned city in the Bible over 800 times, not including pronouns. The millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ, Jerusalem, will be the center of the world. Jeremiah 3, verse 17, from the Amplified. At that time, they will call Jerusalem, speaking of the millennium, the throne of the Lord, and all the nations will be gathered to it, to Jerusalem, for the name, for the renown of the Lord. And they will not walk anymore after the stubbornness of their own evil heart. Jerusalem is the center of the prophetic universe, and it always has been. Jerusalem is the city that God has chosen for himself. 1 Kings eleven thirteen. Jerusalem is God's timepiece for the end of the world. At Jesus' second coming, he will touch down on the Mount of Olives and proceed directly to the eastern gate of the Temple Mount. But did you know he will do so covered in blood? His garments will be splattered with blood. Why? Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He has trampled out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He will have trampled out the grapes of wrath. I like knowing that my Jesus is a fierce warrior, that he personally defends his people. In Bible times, there were no grenades or guided missiles. Battle was done up close and personal, hacking your enemy with a sword. Jesus' garments will be bloody. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus leaves this earth blessing his disciples. In St. John's revelation, he returns destroying his enemies. Jesus, our great defender. Jerusalem is the backdrop for the end of the world. In Zechariah chapter 12, Jerusalem is mentioned 12 times in just one chapter. As Zechariah records his prophecy, he is seated on the Mount of Olives, looking across the Kidron Valley to Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been raised. The temple has been raised, completely destroyed. And don't you know Zechariah is shaking his head in disbelief as God tells him, Zechariah in the future, Jerusalem will be the center of the earth. By contrast, in Matthew 24, Jesus is seated on the Mount of Olives, gazing at the temple in all its glory. And in verse 2, he tells his disciples, do you now see? Do you not see all this splendor will be destroyed? In verse 22, Jesus goes on to prophesy that Israel be, will be dispersed to the far corners of the earth. And then, having disappeared from the promised land for 2,000 years, Father God will bring his people back to Jerusalem. 1948. The return of the Jews to their homeland started the countdown of the end of time.
Verse 22, Jesus says, For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And then in verse 44, Jesus says emphatically, you must be ready for the Son of Man will come when least, excuse me, least expected. Jerusalem is the vortex of world history. All the way back to Genesis 22, God says, I will provide a sacrificial lamb. And where does he send that lamb? Jerusalem. Jesus' crucifixion, our salvation, was accomplished in Jerusalem. Abraham offered up Isaac on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the same ridge of rock from which Jerusalem was carved out. Rock from Moriah was cut and quarried to extend the Temple Mount. Mount Moriah, Jerusalem, and the city of David is the same ridge of rock. Jerusalem is central in the Bible to both the Old and New Testaments. Pentecost happened in Jerusalem. Peter preached his Pentecost sermon on the southern steps of the Temple Mount. The Jews believe that Adam is buried under the city of Jerusalem. Roman Catholics believe the same thing and more. They believe that the blood from Christ's cross dripped down to the earth, seeped all the way down to Adam's tomb. The Jews believe the Garden of Eden was in Israel. I won't argue that a minute. They believe that the focal point of creation was Jerusalem. Wouldn't argue that a minute. First Kings 11.36, Psalm 48 proclaimed, Jerusalem is the city of our God. Psalm 87, the Lord loves the gates of Zion, O city of God. The close of world history will be in Jerusalem. Jesus will rule and reign his millennial kingdom from Jerusalem. Creator God, Jesus Christ will return to Jerusalem to restore his fallen paradise. Turn to Eden. Isaiah 11, verses 5 through 9 from the Living Bible. For he will be clothed with fairness and with truth. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The lion and the lamb is not found. The wolf and the lamb. And the leopard and goats will be at peace. Calves and fat cattle will be safe among lions, and a little child shall lead them. The cows will graze among bears, cubs and calves will lie down together, and lions will eat grass like the cows. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes, and a little child who puts his hand in a nest of deadly adders will pull it out un. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so shall the earth be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Come, Jesus, come. 10% of all Old Testament promises refer to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and his restoration of Eden. But back to the evening news. What if the war in Gaza is only the beginning? What if Russia and Iran also invade? I wager Turkey will leave NATO within the week. They have promised to support Palestine. 
Palestine is encouraging Egypt to join. Turkey is encouraging Egypt to join in supporting the Palestine war. The Saudis and Qatar have upped their rhetoric against Israel. Are we on the verge of Ezekiel 38 being fulfilled? Yes, we are. And a lot of Bible scholars think we're on the verge of seeing Psalm 83 being fulfilled. And you say, okay, what's Psalm 83 all about? Oh God, don't sit idly by, silent and inactive when we pray. Answer us, deliver us. Don't you hear the tumult and commotion of your enemies? Don't you see what they are doing? these proud men who hate the Lord. They are full of craftiness and plot against your people, laying plans to slay your precious ones. Come, they say, and let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of her existence. This was their unanimous decision at their summit conference. Don't you know that's exactly what Iran was talking about? All those uh, meetings they had in Lebanon. They signed a treaty to ally themselves against Almighty God, the Ishmaelites, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Hagrites, people from the lands of Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, Assyria has joined them too and is allied with the descendants of Lot. These are all Bible names of Israel's ancient enemies, but Israel's current enemies are descended from them. The Ishmaelites are modern-day Saudi Arabia. You might remember Osama bin Laden was a Saudi. And you may have noticed the Saudis are blaming Israel for this war. Was the timing of this attack by Hamas expressly to wreck the possibility of Saudis signing the Abraham Accords? Good chance. The Moabites and Edomites are from modern-day Jordan. Most present-day Palestinians descend from the ancient Ammonites. Gabal is modern-day Beirut. And those who occupy present-day Gaza are descendants of the Philistines. Tyre is modern-day Lebanon, and the Hagrites represent all other Arab Muslims who currently surround Israel. But guess what? Psalm 83 was fulfilled in the Six-Day War. Jordan and the Saudis currently have a quasi-peace accord with Israel, and so does Egypt. This was not the case in the Six-Day War. We're about to see a scripture fulfilled. I, I believe this, certainly. But that scripture will be Isaiah 17. Israel just bombed the airstrips in Aleppo and Damascus in Syria. Isaiah 17 says Damascus will disappear. Damascus is one of the oldest continually occupied cities on earth. It has existed for 8,000 years and never disappeared. Israel has warned Bashar Assad, if you continue to allow the Russians to mobilize in eastern and northern Syria, we will wipe you out. Now the U.S military is backing up that threat. We have special forces, U.S. fighter jets, and Navy artillery already engaged. But were you to ask a present-day messianic if this war with Hamas is Ezekiel 38, they will answer emphatically, no, it cannot be. Ezekiel's prophecy says the entire world will come against Israel. 
The mere fact that America has sent a carrier group has also sent B-52s and ground troops confirms this is not Ezekiel 38. In Ezekiel 38, no one will help us. There is no mystery as to why Russia and Iran have colluded to destroy Israel. Two things most Christians don't understand about Iran is number one, they are not Arabs. Number two, they are not Sunni Muslims. Sunnis are Arab Muslims, while Iran is Shiite. Shiites hate Sunnis. Shiites hate everybody, especially Jews and Christians. Kill the Jews on Saturday and the Christians on Sunday. You know who said that? Muhammad. He even recorded it in the Quran. Shiites believe their Messiah won't make his advent to this earth until the entire planet is on fire. And they would be more than happy to start that fire, especially if Israel is first burned. A global nuclear holocaust is something Shiites look forward to. The Shiites are right about one thing. The threat of a nuclear holocaust will cause Messiah to appear. It just won't be their Messiah. As I stated before, Jerusalem will be a vortex for the end of the world. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 in the NLT. The Lord prophesied to Zechariah what will be the fate of all those who come against Jerusalem at the end of time. This message is from the Lord, who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. Newer translations translate that I will make the nations drunk. Drunk with what? Their hate for Israel. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. Did you catch that first verse? I, the Lord, stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth. Where did God stretch the heavens from? From the earth. All you astrophysicists out there, listen up. Earth is the center point of God's creation. If he stretched all creation out from the earth, that explains why light from stars 14 billion light years away are just now reaching us. Think about it. This also explains new earth. Think on that. And yes, I'm one of those who believe the earth is only seven to 10,000 years old. Verse two in the New King James, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding people. Israel's enemies will be so drunk with hate they will be oblivious to reason and logic. What was Hamas thinking? Israel is a hundred times stronger than they are. And Gaza is about to be pushed into the city. What were they thinking? I'll guarantee you America's response and Israel's catastrophic response has taken Iran by surprise. Jerusalem will be a heavy stone burdening the world. It certainly is now. And though all the nations of the earth unite in an attempt to move her, they will all be crushed. Do you realize that Armageddon will take seven months to bury the dead? Seven years to clean up the battlefields from all the debris. Read your Bible, Israel triggers World War III. 
Verse 8. On that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. If you remember the history of Jerusalem, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, when David came to conquer, it says, the weak and the lame will keep you out. Did you know that David never lost a fight, never lost a battle? He was never even injured in battle. Did you know that during the Yom Kippur War, Israeli tank commanders reported seeing angels on the battlefield? God of the angel armies will fight for Jerusalem. Verse 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David. This is speaking specifically of the second coming of Christ. Specifically, the moment when two-thirds of Israel has been wiped out. And they will finally look up and say, Lord Jesus, save us. And he will. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. You had Jewish friends? Ask them, when did God get pierced? Who will Jerusalem mourn for as an only son? But don't forget, we Gentiles have been grafted into the tree of Israel. We have a history because of the Jews. We have God's promises because of the Jews. We have salvation because of the Jews. Jesus stated this very clearly to the Samaritan woman. Salvation is of the Jews. And then in Romans chapter 9, St. Paul points out that God has revealed his glory to them, the Jews, made covenants with them and gave them his law, along with the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Those promises are yours because you have been grafted into the tree. Jeremiah 31, verses 10 through 11. Listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it in the distant coastlands. We are the distant coastlands. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. 1948, Israel's War of Independence. 1967, the Six-Day War. 1973, Yom Kippur War. These victories are our victories because we have been grafted into the tree that is Israel. In Christ's millennial kingdom, we will be singing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem right alongside our Messianic brothers and sisters. In closing this morning, let me ask you this. Why has God given so much prophecy to us regarding the end times? So we won't be afraid. So we'll know exactly what's coming. So we can read the last page of the book and know we win. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your name, we praise your name. Thank you for giving us the knowledge that you are the sovereign God, sovereign all over the entire cosmos. We thank you that you have given us the intelligence
words, the faith to believe that you will redeem your world. Eden will be restored. We get to see it, feel it, smell it, taste it. What a promise. Encourage us this week, Lord. Remind us we are here to spread the gospel. Very soon, people will have no chance to receive you. You are coming very soon. Help us enlighten us. Encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. For my benediction this morning from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And so we keep on praying for you that our God will make you the kind of children he wants to have, will make you as good as you wish you could be, rewarding your faith with his power. Then everyone will be praising the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the results they see in you. And your greatest glory will be that you belong to him. The tender mercy of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ has made all this possible for you. Blessings. Hey.